let me loathe all sin forever as death and poison to my soul that I through willful sinning never may see thy judgment take its toll. Amen. Dear fellow Christians, you've undoubtedly noticed how words seem to suddenly and dramatically shift in their emphasis. We use them the same way for years and years, and suddenly they change. And that change brings about a dramatic shift in what we hear and what we think about when we hear that word, because the discussion around it has changed. Take that simple word transition, for example, or transitioning. Because of the shift in our society, because of the current discussion, our thoughts go to dramatically different places now when we hear that word transition or transitioning. Places we would never have gone even a year or two ago. And there's many others, you know them, you've heard them. They have that same effect, I'm sure, the word gender. Such a simple word, it meant something obvious. Or supremacy, or privilege, or even woman. I used to know what that was. It could be argued, however, that of all these word changes, none has undergone a more dramatic shift than the word vaccine or vaccinate. It used to be, there was always some discussion, some wisdom that Christians also imposed upon this whole thing, but it was a rather benign discussion. You could have your opinion and you could follow that, what you thought was right. But now, with this latest shift, extraordinarily powerful and opposing opinions and emotions are elicited by that simple, used to be simple word. And I could think I can see smoke coming out of some of your ears just by this mention of vaccine. Despite the dramatic increase in its use and discussion, there is still confusion, profound confusion, over the simple word vaccine, as is, and especially as it relates to immunization. Most people hear those and they think they're the same thing. Vaccinated, immunized, same thing. I uh, see some of you medical personnel are shaking your head no already, no, no, no. And it's interesting because this, despite all the notoriety publicity, maybe you missed it, but a professional athlete was asked if he had been vaccinated, and of course referring to the vaccine, which is not a vaccine related to the COVID virus. And his answer was, yes, I am fully immunized. And when they found out he hadn't taken the COVID shot, they branded him a liar. He wasn't, of course. It was the question itself that was fatally flawed because no one in the world has been vaccinated against COVID because COVID shot is not a vaccine. And that's agreed to by all, reluctantly by some, but millions, however, have been immunized. Now you remember, you probably know the difference, but just a brief refresher, a vaccine in a vaccine 
a changed, altered, dead, diminished form of a virus or bacterium is introduced in the human body, and that elicits a response whereby the human body then rejects the real thing when it comes. That's what a vaccine is. Immunized is something different. It can be with a true vaccine, a body can be immunized, protected against the disease, but the far more common way that we are immunized is to contract the disease and recover. Because then this body that God gave us creates certain, in certain diseases, creates this defense mechanism, these antibodies that when it encounters this pathogen, this bad thing again, it says, nope, and rejects it. Why in the world are we talking about something like this in a Sunday sermon? Why would we bring up something like vaccines and immunization? Because in the spiritual realm, it's different than what you might think in the physical realm. You can have your opinions about all of this stuff, but when it comes to God's word, God gets to tell us. And what we're going to find on the basis of our text for this morning is that God has very strong ideas about vaccinations and immunization in the spiritual realm. So that text that will study, that text that will guide us in this is found in Paul's letter to the Philippians, the fourth chapter, beginning with the fourth verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is God's word. God's word. Confident in his authorship, confident that he will, as promised, bless us when we go to him in these his words. So we pray, sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen.
The disease that we're talking about here obviously is not physical, but spiritual. It's sin. Sin. The lone pathogen that can destroy saving faith. Now understand the setting here. We are saved. We know by God's grace, his undeserved love, through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Full stop. That's how we go to heaven. But our God also knows that there is one thing in our lives that has the power to deteriorate and eventually destroy that saving faith by which we are saved. And that's sin. And that's why we don't just ignore sin, pretend it doesn't exist. We deal with it on the basis of God's word because God calls on us to deal with it, to acknowledge that sin is real, that it's dangerous, deadly, and do something about it. No one, I'm sure, needs to tell you that we live in an increasingly immoral society. Sin is always present, obviously, since the fall, but don't you get the feeling, the impression that, that the walls are sort of closing in, that we're awash in the slime, as in no other time that any of us can remember? Passages from God's Word sum up our society. God gave them up. Hear that. God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, this ringing a bell? God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. That was written 2,000 years ago by Paul to the church in Rome. Read, listen to one other description. This is Paul's letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy. So you know, you should, your mind should go to the fact that Paul was condemned and knew he was going to die. 1 Timothy, that first letter he wrote to Timothy, he knew he was going to be released. 2 Timothy, this is a man who was going to die. He knew it. God had revealed it to him. And he wanted one last letter to his protege, his pupil, Timothy. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty where people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, 
treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Now, hopefully no one needs to. It's good to hear these things. It's good to have this reminder of God's attitude toward these things. But no one needs to remind you, I would imagine, of how evil our society is. So I want you to focus on just three words at the end of that last, se- that last section that we read from 2 Timothy. Avoid such people. This is exactly how and where God's word introduces God's will concerning our protection against that which carries the power to destroy saving faith. God's attitude, his counsel, when it comes to sin. In God's word, God never advocates backs the earth, just simple immunization, his counsel is always vaccination. Because vaccination is the only safe protection against sin. Now we're going to have to define these to understand exactly what we're talking about here. You will recall how in the secular biological world, immunization can be achieved through exposure and recovery. In fact, that's the most common way. When it comes to sin, God never advocates that. He never says, you know what? Try it out. Try it out. See how it works for you. Go ahead and sin. And then when you recover, you'll be stronger. It doesn't work that way. God always and only advocates for a vaccine against And we're going to look at how God outlined in his word, including our text, what that vaccine, that divine vaccine that God gave us, how that protects us, how it's intended to save us from ourselves. So are you still having trouble with, well, why not immunization? Uh, In the sense of exposure to something in recovery. Why did God, why was he so adamant about flee? and get away from, and avoid, and don't go there. Well, think rabies, hydrophobia. Does anybody know the mortality rate if you conduct, if you get rabies? 100%. If you contract rabies, you die. That's it. There is no known cure. So don't carry that into the spiritual realm. Our God loves us too much to take any chances with sin. Oh, but pastor, sin isn't 100% fatal. People, we all have sinned. Otherwise, no one would go to heaven because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that's not a fair comparison. All right, let's take the Ebola virus, the Marburg virus. Mortality rate on those two viruses, the diseases they, call, they cause, is said to be 
Now, there's also no vaccine for those two, and it's not all that common, but just suppose there was a true vaccine that would prevent that. And suppose those two viruses were as common as a cold or the flu. What would you do? What would you do for your children? If those two things were in the wild and you knew that any time you went outside your home, you could contract one of those diseases, there would be no vaccine, no cure, no treatment, and you would have a 50% chance of living. That's why God advocates for vaccine rather than toy with sin, play with it, let it into your lives, flirt with it, and when you recover, you'll be stronger. You know what that's like? That's like imagining that if you go out and get gored by a bull, if you get mauled by a lion and recover, you'll somehow be stronger the next time that you get gored by a bull. It makes no sense because that's not the way sin works. We're not strengthened by diving into sin, taking part in what the world does, all those things that our God listed here, and then recovering. We're not stronger, we're weaker. You know that, don't you? We don't even have to be told that in God's Word. You know that. Every time you give in to sin, you're weakened. You're not strengthened. It becomes just that much easier. Ask the little boy who started off just taking a cookie from the cookie jar when he wasn't supposed to. Did you take a cookie? Nope. Now his little conscience probably is screaming at him the first time, but he got away with it, and it was a good cookie. And so he does it again and again and again, and pretty soon it doesn't even bother him. He lies with impunity, does it any time he can, and gets away with it, so it's all good. That's the way sin works. It beats us up, tears us down, eats us from the inside. And Scripture always warns us, if you allow this to fester in your life, it will destroy you. Our loving God doesn't want that for us. So what does he tell us? Since he knows that exposure doesn't promote a strengthening, doesn't promote anything good, he tells us to avoid such people. He tells us over again to flee. Let me give you just a couple of examples. Flee from sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians 6. Flee from idolatry, 1 Corinthians 10. Flee from the love of money, 1 Timothy 6. Flee from youthful passions, 2 Timothy 2. He tells us, have nothing to do with busybodies. Have nothing to do with gossips. Have nothing to do with those who are disobedient. Have nothing to do with those who stir up controversy and divisions. Solomon, thousands of years ago, said, avoid the path of wickedness. You see, that's not... Yeah, get in there, mix it up, and see how you come out. That's be insulated from, separate yourself from. Now, failure here bears terrible consequences. God gave us one. Despite his specific counsel to flee from, to separate from, to have nothing to do with, in this case, irreverent babble and false knowledge, Hymenaeus and Philetus thought they knew better, and it destroyed their faith destroyed their faith. 
So if immunization in the sense of exposure and recovery doesn't work, in fact, extraordinarily dangerous, what is God's plan? Vaccination, but what in the world exactly is that? Well, first of all, that's exactly why we gather here. That's the first way God accomplishes that. That's why we go to him in his word. To have God himself provide for us this vaccination against sin. A true vaccine, you recall, introduces into the human body, this is in the secular world, medical world, this altered, dead, bacterium or virus. So God does that with us by simply identifying sin as sin, as bad. That's why we read through those lists before. He identifies all these things that are bad, and that's as far as it should go. It's enough, he said, even to name those things that the godless do. That's his idea. That's the harmless or innocuous form of sin that he introduces. I'm telling you, this is bad. It will destroy you. It will harm you. Don't do it. That's the first way. And you can see, can't you, how important it is then that we don't just remove the law because Christ died and paid for all these things, so, so sin is really not a problem anymore? Yeah, it is. We can't give up that part of God's word. You remember Paul's comfort and solace when he met with those officials from the congregation in Ephesus? I am at peace in my heart because I know that I have not failed to share with you the full counsel of God's word. Now, the second part of God's vaccination plan is to introduce into our hearts that which provides active and effective resistance. Now, what, what could do that? You heard it in our scripture, in our text for this morning but I don't know if you recognized it for what it was. So hear it again. This is what God introduces into our hearts. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He goes on. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, are you getting? He's injecting, he's advocating the injection into our minds, our hearts, our lives, these things. Because that's what helps to protect us against this pathogen of sin. So... Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's anything that's excellent, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. These words are intended by God to be pure balm and healing to our souls. They're blessings from a loving God to protect us from the sin that carries that terrible potential to destroy us in hell. We need to have something that fills us 
And so God didn't just stop and say, get this stuff out, flee from it, avoid it. We have to be filled with something. Aristotle is credited with first saying, nature abhors a vacuum. Now you get the sense of what he's saying. If there's something good and empty, something will always want to fill that thing. It's true in physics, it's true in nature. If you have good habitat, something is always going to go fill that habitat. It won't be empty. Something will find it and live there and will defend it. It's like that in our hearts, too. Contrary to what guys tell their wives or girlfriends, something is going on up here. We do think about some stuff. It's just usually not what you're thinking about. It's not relationship, usually. It's like, when's the last time I changed the oil in this truck? Or things like that. There's something going on. There is no such thing as not thinking about anything. Because if you're really honest and think about it, yeah, I was thinking about something. It was pretty stupid. You know, it was maybe like, how can I get to the next level of that game? Maybe if I kill the zombie first with a bazooka. Something is going on up there. Something will fill that vacuum. Something is in our hearts. Something in our minds. There's even, that's even true about actions, isn't it? Any of you old enough to remember, it is an old remake, but I think Vince Gill sang the song, Let's Do Something Even If It's Wrong. What a terrible song. But young people know. You know exactly what he's talking about, don't you? You're sitting around bored with your friends, and you're thinking, oh, you know, we've got to just do something. What should we do? And then come the good ideas. I know. Let's go down to the Catholic Church and steal a statue of Mary and stick it on the campus of Emmanuel. That will be fun. Let's do something, even if it's wrong. If you're not involved actively in good things, you're going to do something. And that old Adam in you will say, well, let's just do this, see how it works. That's exactly why God gave us the sort of direction he did in our text, isn't it? Knowing that a vacuum is not a good thing. Do you remember the parable he told us about that, where even the heart were cast out demons, but nothing replaced it? So it was just this vacant lot, and the demon came and went around and found seven more just like it, and they came back, and the guy's end was worse than the beginning. So God knows that. And that's why that second part of that vaccination, that protection against sin, was not just drive out the bad, fill it with these good things. And his counsel couldn't have been more clear, could it? Think about these things. Let this be that with which you replace what I've told you to flee from, to push from your lives. Our God loves us so much. He's never fooled by the, by the sometimes innocuous nature of sin. Oh, no big deal. Yeah, it's always a big deal. Anything that can destroy you in hell is a big deal. So is this really, does this really carry God's promise? That things will be, will be stronger, better protected? Well, listen to what he said. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds 
in Christ Jesus. That's just such an awesome promise. But you notice he said then, if this, and again the process is so simple, fill your life with that list of things. I love the, the Lord is at hand. What are you worried about? With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's the precursor to this. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. All that means, by the way, is this is better than anything man could come up with. Man couldn't devise a peace like this. If you've ever looked or heard psychologists, they have all kinds of ideas on how to be happy and comfortable and content and all this stuff. None of it works because it's not based on God's truth. But God says, do this, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that's the bottom line again, isn't it? It's all about Christ. We're not saved by what we do or what we don't do. We're not damned to hell if we fall into a sin because we know we're saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ. God obviously knows that. It's his plan for our salvation. And he identified for us that one thing that can mess it up. Sin. Allowing sin inside. Allowing sin to become a pattern in our lives. He loves us too much for that. So he provided this perfect plan for us. This perfect plan which surpasses all human understanding, which is better than anything man could provide. Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived that perfect life, offered that life, and because of that sacrifice on Calvary's cross, paid for every single one of your sins. Don't fear that your sins can be held against you. Rather be aware that your sin can destroy that faith that saves. But then go back to his promise here. By Christ's death, we are truly forgiven. By God's grace, we are truly saved. Sin can have no power over hearts and minds filled with such amazing truths. Amen.